Hello, my lovely ones, and welcome to Mumming with Magli, the podcast for any mum who has absolutely no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm Magli, your host, and I can confirm I have no idea what I'm doing. Join me every week as I try and tackle this parenting business, the ups and downs, and the many trials and tribulations. Other moms will also join us and share their story. Let's open up the conversation around the hardships of motherhood and all the pressure that comes with it. Hopefully, it'll make us all feel less alone in feeling lost and completely winging it. I know I am. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi guys, welcome back onto the podcast. Magli here and I'm joined once again with Holly. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> you are welcome. So last time you were here, we spoke about pregnancy. Holly's a midwife, just a gentle reminder, everyone. Student midwife. And today we're going to talk more labor, birth, postpartum and any advice that you have for us or anyone, you know, in that stage of their life. Mm-hmm. From your point of view as a midwife. Lovely. Um, I'm going to start with... I can't remember if we touched on this in the last episode. I think we started to touch on this, but then we, you know, we're starting to run out of time. So we thought, okay, we'll leave it until, you know, we can do a second episode together. You're past your due date mm-hmm. and you are starting to potentially get a bit impatient and I think feel potentially some stress because my opinion or I think correct me if I'm wrong in general no one wants to be induced have you ever met a woman that wants to be induced generally yeah women are induction isn't something that women tend to like the thought of doing and um, just because it is medicalized and it it's not natural if you like which it isn't and that that's fair um so what are some things that women can do to naturally encourage the onset of labor it's really difficult. I mean, a lot of the time we just say to try and keep active. People say a lot about, oh, have a spicy curry. We don't know if that's if that works. Where did that come from? I actually don't know. I think it's an old wife's tale. I'm not sure it's yeah. a natural thing. <laughs> Does um, sex work? Yes, sex works. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that that is due to the fact that sperm contains prostaglandin, which is the hormone that helps ripen the cervix. Yeah, it kind of helps to kind of soften the cervix to okay. kind of get it to go, what am I doing? What am I doing? Oh, should I start going into labour now? <laughs> should I start doing my thing? <laughs> I'm imagining the cervix like, you know, in the film Inside Out, but like <laughs> sadness, fear, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm imagining the cervix as a thing with the brain like, hmm. Okay, so sex does work what else what else i feel like they were crab walking down the stairs oh actually yeah that is a thing interesting yeah just because of the movement like with the legs open and then shut open and then shut but walking on the stairs with the gravity kind of helps with the weight of the baby pushing down in the right place if that makes sense so you're not just like stood still you're kind of rocking a little bit um which can help obviously being on a ball can help Mm -hmm. if you're doing the right thing a lot of people just sit on a ball what should you good what (laughs) should you do on your ball so um bouncing is good like actual bouncing on the ball but also just rolling around the ball like with your hips rolling like figures of eight yeah to kind of encourage your hips to kind of it's also good for pain Mm. um but the bouncing is obviously to try and get that cervix to again encourage to come down and mm-hmm. loosen and open but the rotating is more to kind of get the baby in a good position to get down and yeah. sort of help your hips yeah. a little bit more of pain but they're the things I think like I said spicy food I don't know I have no idea if that's really a thing yeah. like we don't say it in appointments so I'm gonna only yeah, assume yeah. that it's a myth <laughs> But walking, sex, um, we do encourage kind of just like... Also, the, re- the sex releases oxytocin, oxytocin, and that helps yes. the woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's the love hormone, guys. <laughs> Get it out, yeah. Um, yeah, so oxytocin's huge, like, for... Pain relief. Pain relief, mm. labour, just anything, like, to do with birth. Um, oxytocin is magic so what are other ways you can release oxytocin during labor if you don't want to have your partner you know Um, sucking on your nipples or you're rubbing (laughs) your clit basically (laughs) whilst you've got a midwife (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys if that was tmi but (laughs) personally i had my (laughs) sister-in-law as my midwife so imagine just imagine that it was like actually don't imagine it, imagine it. <laughs> um what are other ways to release oxytocin so anything loving so anything like if your partner's giving you like a massage in the back mm. holding hands even just like rubbing <laughs> just i mean holding not just like 
were just like, let's just hold yeah, hands, yeah. but like really, like intimately holding hands. <laughs> I've never, George, I don't know if you, are we doing it wrong? Are we holding hands wrong? I've, George has never held my hand and I've gone, woof, <laughs> just got that rush of oxidizing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what i mean is just any kind of skin to skin contact affection. is really good yeah any yeah. kind of affection um sometimes music that makes you feel good gives a lot of oxytocin being at home actually like for as long as possible is your happy place so that also helps release oxytocin yeah um, because when you a lot of people find that if they go into hospital in those early stages um so say they've gone to hospital just to kind of have an examination as to where they are and they're a centimeter or two centimeters a lot of the time they'll be encouraged to go home because it's their happy place and labor will happen better for them mm. at home and then obviously they can come in later because the cortisol levels when you come into hospital sometimes can really kick off which will then um reduce the oxytocin so yeah. then the labor will slow down one thing i will say on that though is there's no support at home. No, I agree. And that's really difficult. Again, I was in a really lucky and privileged position where we had Hannah basically as like our private midwife. And so she came directly to us at home and therefore I was able to stay at home but I don't think I would have stayed at home for as long as I did if Hannah hadn't been there because for example even though I knew what to do and what I mean by that is I have a really good you know breathing practice meditation practice but I started to panic when I realized that something was happening all of the sudden <laughs> my like fight or flight my nervous system was like no abort mission <laughs> abort mission I can't like you start to panic you're like fuck i'm actually i'm actually going to push a human out of my vagina and when you look at the size of a baby and the insertion of your vagina it doesn't look physically possible i really started to panic and it's not until hannah came and was with me and she was able to like talk me through the breathing because george was like actually just breathe i was like fuck off <laughs> trying to hold my hand this isn't doing it for me <laughs> <laughs> you know and like it was so hard so my question is is there a way to have a midwife or have any sort of support at home no the only way is to have like a private doula um yeah or like the thing is now what we try and do is try and educate the parents as much as possible prior to that happening so mm. we do a lot of antenatal classes that we encourage people to come to especially with partners as well because a lot of the time they are that support at home do you think that you felt is it just the the kind of the safety blanket that hannah was able to offer you as a professional that was there that kind of, because really you did it on your own no one else did it do you no. know what i mean you did it on your own agreed i will say we didn't do antenatal classes because we were in covid i think yeah hannah just i think mentally, mentally yeah. i was like she knows what she's doing even though george was probably bless his heart doing exactly what hannah was doing saying exactly what she said ended up you know saying to me in my head i was like George, you don't know what you're talking about. Whereas mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, I felt safe in Hannah's hands. Yeah, of course. I think that may be where, you know, it the shift kind of happened for you. You thought, okay, well, Hannah's here. Someone's here that, yeah. you know, knows what's going on. Yeah. Which is why, obviously, it was a really difficult time in COVID. So, yeah, I can only imagine that that was really tough for you to be at home on your own in that time. But amazing that you were able to be at home with Hannah. Like, it's a very fortunate position to be able to be at home, like you said, with a midwife. It's yeah. amazing. But at the moment, what we're trying to do is educate people and partners enough so that they can stay at home and have the knowledge of what's going on when to kind of make their way to the hospital obviously they can call at any time and speak to a midwife and say this is happening what do you think yeah but sometimes i also feel like you don't think to ask certain questions beforehand and then things are happening to you and you're like why did no one say that it was going to happen like this I will give you a for instance. I was totally surprised as to the location of where I was feeling my contractions. Okay. I had imagined my contractions to be more towards the top end of my torso. Like the, like the ribs sort of. Like, yeah, from the ribs, I had imagined that they would push downwards. Whereas actually, I felt them in my thighs and in my legs. Mm. I couldn't... I honestly was struggling to like stand up because 
my legs just felt like jelly. Mm-hmm. They just felt, I didn't, they felt not, like, I honestly, I have no words. I couldn't explain. Yeah. I, I, I literally yeah. have no words. My legs were just like jelly. <laughs> and it was so big. And I was so shocked. Yeah. And just little things like that. Where do people go? Also, is that normal? Does Everyone's it... completely different. Ah, That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. So people feel their contractions in different places. In their back. Some people feel the con- some people feel the tightness in their back. It all really depends on baby's position as well. So where obviously the contraction is like a wave. It's meant to like it's like it's like a slap in the fucking face guys let me tell you (laughs) fuck off with the surges it's not painful it's intense no 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 (laughs) so it's meant to start in one place and wave round to the next so it's kind of starts in one position and then it intensifies intensifies where it's in the whole the whole area Mm -hmm. and then it gradually fades off again um really depends on where the baby's laying because then obviously if your baby's back to back for example Mm -hmm. and their back is on your spine you're going to feel it more on your back because the baby's back is on your back so it's pushing further down um mainly again it can really really vary where women feel it it's it's really subjective pain isn't it because everybody's pain threshold is so different yeah it's true um but yeah, it's it's hard to know where, especially if you've not done it before, yeah. it's hard to know where you're going to feel it and what's normal and what's not. Yeah. So to try and kind of cover all bases, we just try and kind of say, like, you might feel it here, you might feel it in your back, you might feel yeah. it in your lower stomach, you might feel it in your legs. What um, are some things that women can do at home, right? Because they're at home. Ideally, we're trying to wait at home for as long as possible. And also, this is assuming that we're going for a vaginal birth and there are no complications it's a low risk birth blah 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 blah, blah. Mm-hmm. so we're at home um what can you do what do we, yeah. what like what's it, encouraged what is encouraged to do and also i think this is what it what might be encouraged for a partner to do in so that they can help support the mom you know about to mm-hmm. give birth because ouch <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, if someone, say, say they phoned the hospital and they said, oh, I think I'm going into labour, I'm a low-risk, you know, can we go, go through their details and they are a low-risk um, mum, one of the first things I'd encourage is a bath, to be honest. Yeah, that's what we did yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Some women don't like it. Some women are like, no, I don't like it, get me out, I don't like it. Some generally just don't like being in the water, um, which is fine, obviously, yeah. but that's one of the first things we encourage because water is really good for pain. Yeah. Um, Interestingly... I got in the bath and I loved it when I was at home because I felt like it was enough Mm. to help obviously not get rid of the pain completely but I found it really soothing. When I finally made it to the hospital I had a birthing pool in my room and I think I spoke to you about this before Mm. I I thought I would float. Oh yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) I didn't float. And so I just, I was, this is really like irrational, but I just felt really angry at the water for not holding me. I had to hold my own body up and I, I didn't feel like I had the strength to hold myself up. So I found, you know, another position <laughs> on land. Needless to say, um, okay, bath at home, yeah, anything else? Yeah, bath at home. And for partners, it all, it depends on whether it's first baby, second baby, because you can only imagine that obviously you can go into labour at any time. If mm. you've got a little one running around and you're in labour... Mm. <laughs> Are you are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> like we can also tell by having a conversation with you on the phone how far we think you are. Mm. Because if you can talk to me for a solid five minutes, you're not contracting enough mm. for me mm. to to say come in. So how can you know if you're contracting enough? Because I feel like I had Googled this and read this in books. You know, you should count your contractions. I don't even remember what it is that it's meant to be mm-hmm. when you know that you're at a certain stage. I felt like mine were all over the place. Yeah. I felt like it just sort of merged into one whole... How many phases of labour are there meant to be? Like four or five? So there's the first stage, second stage, two stages. Oh. <laughs> First stage is like one to four, and then second stage is four to ten, and then the third stage is the placenta. Okay, I like I don't feel like I got any sort of grasp on that tangible understanding of my contractions and my labor journey, so to speak. How like is there any other so... way? Or what is it meant to be? Firstly, tell me what is it meant to be in terms of contractions? Like what should they be? Ish, obviously, give or take. When do you know that potentially you're in a position that you should think about making your way to the hospital 
And is there another way to know? Can you so, service check yourself? Sorry, I'm interrupting all over okay. the place. <laughs> Can you? I mean, I've never thought about about what you, about checking yourself. Yeah. Because you can't actually you can't feel your contraction there. You know that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But yeah. can you? But a midwife checks your dilation. Yeah. I don't. At the risk of sounding really stupid, why are you pulling that face? I'm just. I'm just thinking if you'd get the angle to be able to. This is what I was going to yeah. ask. At the risk of sounding stupid, um, is my arm long enough? Oh. And not that I feel like. But like, I don't know how far you go. Like, like, partner could check, but you. But but how educated? Like, it's it's hard to know. Is it? It's not like oh, lovely. I know what I'm feeling. You're you're a little bit lost in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, how many women has it taken you to understand? How many women have you fingered I've and gone? gone. <laughs> no, nope. Just doing that for my own pleasure now. <laughs> to be honest, I'll be really honest with you. For my whole first year, I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm like, is that just vagina wall? Like, yeah. what the hell am I feeling? And then I got to, maybe it was the end of my first year, and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, I know what yeah. I'm feeling now. So what we, what we say is we want regular contractions. So we want three to four contractions in 10 minutes lasting about a minute. That's what we want. Three to four contractions every 10 minutes. Okay. Lasting and- 60 seconds. And one way to know whether those contractions are really coming mm-hmm. and really, you know, doing stuff <laughs> is when you can't speak. You you can't talk through them. Okay. That happens. It happens a lot when we get ladies coming in and they go, I'm contracting, I'm contracting three to four in ten and you'll be sitting there for 20 minutes having a chat. You're not contracting enough. You're not okay. the strength. You're probably, but you're contracting. They're not regular and they're not, they're not doing what we need it to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they're coming. If you're telling me you're having a tightening, I go by the woman. Like you tell me, your, it's your body. You tell me what's happening in your body. It's so hard to know though what's it happening is. when you've not experienced it before. Because like, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, deeper into birth, but you know, people say, when you're ready to push, you'll know. Your body will know. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't. But now that I have done it, I know what they mean. But I found it so frustrating when people said, when you're ready, you'll know. Because I'm like, but do <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means. No, no. I think um, most women that I've looked, af- looked after, they go through a transition. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Yeah. They, tra- they go for a transition where... The, where they're raging. Where they're suddenly like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your transition, Macaulay. Go on. Well, I feel like I've won most days. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> I see George. I transition. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, George. I love him. <laughs> love you, George. <laughs> um, so women, you know, and if you say to them, like, do you have the, the urge to push or anything? And, and they'll tell you, mm. I feel like I need to poo. Mm. And that's when you know. Mm-hmm. That's when you know. It's crazy how much it feels like. Because it's so close together. I can't believe how much it feels like it's coming out of your ass. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. I really hadn't pictured it like that. No, and I think I think that that to be fair is probably something that you know women should be because they panic. They go, "I think I need to poo," and you're like, "No, no, no, that's right." And yeah, the yeah. amount of times I've heard that, and they're actually it's all perfect, like yeah. it's actually going the right way, but they panic. So they think oh god I need to poo and that's Mm. the first thing they panic about when they go into labour they're like I just really don't want to poo and I'm like don't panic about it don't worry you know is it common for women to poo yeah it is but it's not you know it's because they're pushing in the right place is why why a lot of the time women will poo um obviously we don't tell them we don't go oh cheers for that or anything (laughs) that's a stinker But, you know, it happens, yeah? Um, because they're pushing in the right place. And that's what we want. Like, we don't care. Like, whatever has to come out of there is coming out. Mm-hmm. Going back a little bit at the beginning, we were talking about induction. I feel like there's two schools of thought. There's the medical school of thought that goes, I think it's after 12 days. Uh, we spoke about this. The placenta starts to go moldy, for lack yeah, of a better the... word, or whatever. But the medical opinion is obviously that you should be induced. And then there's the more holistic opinion, I guess, that the body and the baby will come whenever everything's ready to, you know, sort of make its way into the world. As a woman, how do you know? It's so hard to know whether to go with the medical opinion or the holistic opinion, because there is, personally, I was more of the holistic school of thought, but you can't help but have 
this voice inside your head saying it could go wrong, it could go wrong. And then if it does go wrong, it's on you. I'm gonna ask you to answer this, not as a medical professional. What is your personal opinion on going past the due date plus 12? It's really difficult, isn't it? Um, If everything is going well, and there's no medical complications with baby initially, and you're low risk, I don't see the need to intervene. Yeah. As a, not a medical professional to be. Um, You're pregnant, you're in that situation. Low risk, no complications, you feel fine in yourself. What do you do? I personally, what I would do is I would encourage myself to go for monitoring probably twice a week Mm -hmm. just make sure baby's okay maybe have a couple of scans on the placenta just to see how it's functioning if there's any sign of the placenta stopping to function or slowing down then I would go okay it's time for baby to come out but until that point I would want my body to do it naturally yeah as possible if possible yeah is there a way to know whether the placenta is continuing to do its job without going into hospital no 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 no. um obviously baby's movements are key yeah um especially when you get later on because the movements do change baby should move the same amount of times in like roughly your baby should move at the same time of day but the movements will change as they get bigger because it's more of like a rub as you probably know there's more like it's smaller movements because they haven't got much room to move. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be so hot on your fetal movements when you get later on. So I would say that if you get to 40 plus 12 and your movements are still good and you're happy, then that's okay. Yeah. That's from, if it were me. Yeah, I appreciate without, the honesty. Without yeah. a medical, I mean, that and that is a completely low risk. I'm happy with baby's movements. There's no... You know, there's no reason for me to be in there. I would be like, okay, well, as long as baby's okay... I'm fine and I'm feeling movements, mm-hmm. I'm okay. But if I wasn't feeling movements yeah. and something was changing, then I would be like, something's not right. And now you've got your medical professional hat on. A woman comes in, she's 40 plus 12. She really doesn't want to get induced. You see no signs of, you know, placenta. Deterioration. Deterioration. What do you do as a medical professional? Your her midwife. End of the day, it's her call, isn't it? What but I mean I is say... she can still be under your, like, supervision, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, so we would know, like, you know, if she declines induction, it happens a lot. A lot of women do decline induction yeah. um, and say, no, I don't want it. And that's okay. Like, it's, yeah. your, it's their body. And we, all we want is, for again, for women to be happy with their plan but know the risks of the plan. Yes, but question, do you also offer them the risks of the induction? Yes, Okay. When we come in for an induction for that, we have to talk them through what the procedure is, how long it can take, what it entails, what options there are, you know, because we have had women before who have not been well advised come in and expect to be induced and have a baby the same day. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen that way. It can take up to five days. Yeah. And sometimes it isn't successful. Um, I don't know the statistics on it, but sometimes if your body just doesn't want to have, doesn't want to labour, the next option would be a cesarean section in your opinion is there a difference between a baby being ready to come out and the body being ready to push baby out so do you mean like what's like what starts the labor is it the body or the baby yeah um and could there be a conflict the thing is sometimes we do have women who go into labor spontaneously at 20 weeks Mm. and their baby still has a heartbeat but they'll come out and they won't survive mm. so it's really difficult to to to, to say what we i don't i don't believe that we know what starts the labor i don't know whether it's our body and the hormone saying right you're ready or it's the baby saying mm-hmm. i'm ready i'm cooked i'm done let me out so i mean i had it last week actually where we had a woman she had three babies already and she came into the hospital she had a pv bleed which is uh, just a little bleed out of the per vagina it's called and we scanned her baby was okay but then she went into spontaneous labor at 21 weeks and five days um and so that baby had a heartbeat um so she went into labor spontaneously really really quick this baby was so tiny and she delivered and the baby wasn't alive anymore because the labor had it's such a stressful event for the baby mm. it just couldn't it, it couldn't it take didn't make it, it yeah. yeah so that's a that's a scenario where the baby obviously wasn't ready but the body was so obviously because she's had three babies before 
So, I mean, now what will happen is, sadly, that baby will go through post-mortem and the placenta will be checked and the woman will have a lot of bloods taken on her hormone levels and stuff to see what's happened. So that might give a bit of an answer, but I think it really is just one of those things where... Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So it just happens when... I don't know whether it is a joint thing. I don't know whether the body goes, hey, baby, are you ready? And it goes, hey, cervix, yeah. you ready? <laughs> Let's do this. Or it goes, I'm ready. You better be ready. You know, oh, That would be thing. so cool if it was like that. <laughs> or sometimes they don't get on, which is why we've got issues. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not coming out of my cervix. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to ask? At how many weeks? is a baby most likely to make it? Like, um, sorry, so I'm talking about this woman. She was 21 mm. weeks. Where's the sort of, not cut off, but... The, it's, it's awful, but there, there is a cut off. So what, what was it? what was so sad about this lady? She was 21 and 5, but the cut off for um, a baby have, to have resuscitation is 22 weeks. So she was two days off. Fuck off. Mm. But this baby wasn't... The only way you would resuscitate is if the baby was showing signs of life. Okay, and this one wasn't. No. Okay. So we didn't so, have the peeves there ready. They did They did agree to come and they were like, if that baby's showing signs of life, we will resuscitate. Okay, because, good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would have been <laughs> no, raging if, that yeah. would, if I was that man. Yeah, mind. and also this baby, obviously you don't know the condition of the baby until it's here, like any mm. baby really, but um, with this baby, his eyelids were still fused together, so he wasn't... F- he was formed, this baby. Oh, so, so like that, he couldn't have been able yeah, to, open, have been able his to open his eyes. So obviously when we saw that there was no signs of life of this baby, they were like, we can't resuscitate yeah, the baby yeah. because it's not showing that mm-hmm. it, it's had signs of life. But 22 weeks, I think it, I don't know if it depends on trust, but I know from having that conversation only last week that they said 22 weeks is when we would work on that baby to keep them alive. Gosh, what are the statistics on that working? Do you know? I don't, it all depends on you know how yes, again every baby's different isn't it it's really tough but a lot of, that baby will go straight to NICU mm. for 100% and be on ventilation and you know hopefully make it but it's so hard to tell statistic wise I don't know um, but from looking at that baby if that baby was only two days off they're just so tiny yeah I can't just even so fragile. how like compared to the palm of your hand I would say Ish. an average palm of the hand or like something else that we can sort of compare it to, um, like I'd a pint glass or yeah, your forearm. For- as long as your forearm. Yeah, the whole thing, legs to head. Oh my God. Your forearm, yeah. That's but, so small. Yeah, tiny, tiny. Who, who knows? The body was clearly ready to have this baby, but the baby wasn't, you know? So it's hard to tell. So what are the different types of induction? So firstly, not many people talk about all the different types. So one type of induction, which isn't technically medicalised, is a stretch and sweep. It is technically a type of induction because you are intervening. Yeah. Ever so slightly. It's not medicalised, you're not doing anything, you're not putting anything in there, you're just encouraging the cervix. Mm-hmm. So technically that is a type of induction. I'm going to say that. Mm-hmm. The other ones are, so you go in and you have something called a propest, which is, for lack of a better word, it's like a tea bag, if you like, mm-hmm. like a flat tampon tea bag type thing. And it goes in the cervix and what it does over 24 hours is tries to soften the cervix to obviously start labour and i assume this tea bag is full of hormones yes uh, what's it called a propess but there's there's lots of different i mean that's that's probably the brand name that we call it but they're they'll all be the same thing like different trusts will use different there are some places use a gel but they're all the same thing they're just called slightly different things okay but they're all the same amount of the same hormones correct okay i'll have to ask next time i go into that ward and i'll ask them a little bit more information on the actual hormones within the drugs yeah i'd be interested to know what they are and therefore potentially how we might be able to encourage them into our bodies outside of them being put straight into you know yeah um, so then that's in for 24 hours and then what we do is we see what's happened see what's been going on see if there's been any changes to the cervix and another thing that how do you test that uh, be a vaginal examination which is basically a stretch and sweep um, no, does that when you do a vaginal examination, do you not to a certain extent in not induce, but do you not to a certain extent move things around? Or is um, you, you don't go as far? Just, you just literally are there with a sweep, you go right, you literally put your fingers around the cervix and the top of the baby's head to try yeah. and sweep the membranes oh, to try okay. and go. Yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but with that, you're literally just feeling how wide the cervix is. You're not. Okay. Re- you you will probably sometimes if the cervix is still long, um, you can't touch the baby's head. You can only get to like a couple of centimeters in. Okay. But what's important? What for, stops it? What's in between the baby's head and so the cervix? So the cervix is like um, there's it's like a fist. If you put if you, if you do like that with a fist, like, yeah, this, that's your cervix. And as labor gets on, your cervix thins out, right? So then it turns into like a just one hole. Oh, yeah? I see. So when you're like this, and you're say you're like just a fingertip, you can't get to that baby's head okay. because you can't. There's an internal and an external os, right? Okay. So the internal is the one with the baby's head. Yeah. This is the baby's We're head. We're going to film this for Instagram. <laughs> Seriously, so that... Because, like, the until analogy. you open the fingers, I hadn't understood what you meant. So, guys, I'll film this on yeah. Instagram and put it Feel up. everyone listening, if you just get a fist, if you put your finger in a fist, yeah. and then if you release a finger each time, and then you work till you get to a hole, that would be oh, your cervix yeah. dilating your cervix thinning out and then it dilates so that's another thing that women feel like they when we say oh your cervix has made progress but you're still the same dilation they think oh i've not made any progress but that's a lot of work for that cervix to thin out first to then dilate and then the dilation is finally when like the last two fingers the hole just starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger oh so it's like two stages yeah of it's got thin out first before okay. it can really dilate so it's interesting that's so interesting How, like i can't believe that we don't get so we of... do that in our antenatal class with the balloon so yeah. we have a balloon and we put um a ping pong ball in the balloon and we blow up the balloon and then we push the balloon out of the tip and it shows you that it starts really long and it gets thinner and thinner and thinner and then it dilates and the balloon pops out and the ball pops out and it's an, an analogy like yeah, to show yeah, you yeah. how the cervix works like every contraction pushes down and the cervix gets a bit bigger oh it down. interesting it's really interesting interesting yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of youtube videos on that so guys watch it on youtube do you have anyone in particular um, that like on youtube that you um, might be able i'll to send you it and you can put it on the link yeah i'll um, put it in the description podcast. yeah i found a woman when i was pregnant i can't remember her name but her what do you call her youtube handle for lack of a better word is built to birth okay she's american and she's a birth educator and doula and she was phenomenal. I found her videos so interesting. Honestly, it just helps to visualise it. Because obviously you can't see. So like when a, when a midwife is saying to you, okay, so you're still one centimetre, but your cervix is thinned out, you're like... Oh. It's just nice to know what she's talking about. Yeah, you just <laughs> want to know, you want to understand and visualise what she's saying. Because like as much as you know that that's one centimetre isn't a lot because you know that you have to get to ten. All the other changes are so massive that yeah. that service is made but it's just so good to know for women oh my god. Yeah. To okay. know the, the changes of the cervix in that first stage is massive. Okay. Massive. We're going to do a series me and you and put it out there oh, in yeah. the world. <laughs> Don't joke. Um, so, tea bag is one. What's another so one? So then after that 24 hours you see what's going on. Then if... Sorry, is that, do they get offered um, in order? Or so this is the first bit, this is what happens if, uh, initially. Everyone will get offered this. Unless you've had a cesarean section, you'll get offered this. A unless you've type. had a previous cesarean. Yes, unless you've had okay. a previous cesarean. Or going for a cesarean now, because then there's no need yeah, to... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So if you're okay. something what we call a V-back, so yeah, yeah. vagina birth after section, you'll have something different. Okay. Um, so then you have the tea bag thing for 24 hours. Then after that, if we think the cervix has made changes, we can offer something called a prostin, which is a tablet, which is like a dissolvable tablet that, again, sits in the cervix. Oh, you put it in the cervix? Yeah, so it's like sits in there and it will like dissolve in there. <laughs> do its thing it's i don't understand i think we should have gel really like putting a tablet in there just doesn't feel right but no um tablet goes in there then that's in there for six hours i think or is it 12 hours what if the propest hasn't made progress do you go for the pill again tablet whatever if the pro yeah so then we'll go for a tablet okay so you still do that there's three so then you'll if that one hasn't made much progress but you've made a little bit you could do another so you could do two tablets one tea bag okay and then you have 24 hours break after that because it's so much hormone because you have to have a break <sighs> and then if it doesn't work then you can do the process again i believe you see so you not can had do, to do that before yeah propess two tablets then a break then a break then you can do that once more. the whole thing once more what if that doesn't work then you start 
to question whether you're gonna labor you're gonna labor naturally and if she doesn't the option is cesarean okay is there a another option of induction so there's something called a cook's balloon which is something that we offer to women who've had a cesarean section which is literally at this it's a balloon and it sits in the cervix it's um mechanical rather than medicinal so it's essentially as it says it's a balloon it's filled with um liquid and it sits in the cervix and it to just try and put a little bit of gravity on the surface to try and help dilate it in a more gentle manner. I believe, I'm not sure, I've never known someone who's not had a section to have one. I'm sure it's available for anyone to have, but I've not known, I don't know whether it's offered. I'm sure it should be offered. It's so interesting because I don't know why I thought this. I imagine an induction to be an injection. Why, like, why did I get that idea? There's nothing like that exists. No. I think I wonder if it's because for the placenta, you have an injection. If you don't want to birth it naturally, because there is quite a weight. I think we spoke about that in the last uh, episode. You can get an injection and... I think maybe that's why I thought that. Maybe. And also there's there's um induction and then there's augmentation. So augment Aug- yeah. augmentation is like when you're in labor but you're just trying to get it along a little bit more. So And what's that? So that could be something like the hormone drip, for example. Okay. So that might be where you're like, Oh, maybe it- Maybe it could be kind of medical, like yeah. as in a drip, like yeah. fluids going in, maybe You're that's... right, maybe I thought that. Um and you would have that if Labour has started, whether naturally or through mm-hmm. induction, but it's just not progressing. Correct. At how how long do you wait until you might start so that? If you, so say we have someone come in and they're four centimetres and we examine them at six in the morning and they're four centimetres. If we then will examine another four hours later to see, because we'd like them, I think it's every hour we expect them to be another half centimetre per hour, sorry, I think it is. Okay. So we'd want them to be at least six centimetres by the time we examine next. Okay. If they've not made any changes... And how often do you examine? Four hours. But if we examine again and there's been no changes, but the baby's okay, coping well, the contractions are kind of not really coming very regularly, Mm. we could offer the hormone drip to get the contractions to build bigger, to help dilate the cervix, to help the labour progress, because... We don't want the but you do, we don't want you in labour for too long because mm. firstly it's exhausting. How long is too long? Mm. In your opinion, when you hear women say I was in labour for two days, it's not real. <laughs> what do you mean it isn't real? From active labour from four centimetres to ten, we would never ever allow that. Okay. Ever. Okay. Ever ever ever. Yeah. Obviously, from the very start, mm. uh, yes, yeah, some yeah. women can labour for three four days before active labor 100% but when they say I was pushing for three days we just wouldn't allow it um active labor is four to ten centimeters correct yeah Yeah. and that's when you should go to hospital if you're at home yeah because I remember I was four to five when Hannah was like we need to make a move yeah (laughs) we need to go um okay and then what would you do if a woman is in active labor but the baby's not coming out or does it just not happen because you say we wouldn't allow it if that if so that's what I mean. So if that if the woman's not dilating and not there's no progression and we can't get this woman to progress with anything, it would be a section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah we just enough. wouldn't allow the we just can't allow the body to be in it for that long and the baby will be so distressed. Yeah. Um so yeah, if if the labour I don't know how long the longest someone's ever been in labour for, but really I'm gonna Google that. You're looking at like what is it? So two centimetres? I'm just trying to think. It's not going to be longer than 12 hours, really. I think I was in active labour. Ideally. At 5am, Hannah was like, let's make a move. And I was about, let's say, four centimetres. And I gave birth at eight minutes past one. So let's say one. So five to one, eight hours. It's short. Really, really good. Yeah, really short. <laughs> Thank fuck! <laughs> right. So baby's out. We've given birth. Whether... I feel I feel bad because we've spoken a lot about vaginal births. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we've... I think it's because obviously... Well, not obviously. I did have a vaginal birth. So I'm bound to speak to people about experiences that are more closely related to mine. But cesareans... I don't want to diminish the surgery because we spoke in the last episode about, you know, how much of a big deal a cesarean is. But in terms of prep, there's not much a woman needs to do. Um, As in... As in like, so for example... You know, at the beginning I was saying, right, 
in order to encourage labour naturally, blah, blah, do X, Y, Z. If you're booked in... If you have an elective. If you have an elective caesarean or an an elective section, I think you call it, is there anything a woman should prep? No? Not in terms of her body. Obviously, she needs to not have anything to eat or drink, really, before. Yeah, (laughs) but apart from that, like, but presumably they talk about that. You don't need to sit on your ball. Yeah. (laughs) You don't need to be going for long walks and trying to encourage labour. Because obviously, ideally, you don't want to go into labour because you want to have a caesarean section. So there's less prep. So baby is out. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference in between like how so okay for me I gave birth to Isla she's still connected you know the umbilical cord skin to skin because we opted to do the delayed clamping to I can't actually remember what the benefits are what are the just benefits? to get make sure all the nutrients gets to baby that, okay. that I've been in the placenta does the same happen if you have a section yeah yeah so, baby is still connected through the umbilical cord and baby can still be put on mum's chest. So what we do in a cesarean section, in, a, in an elective, what we can do is we do delayed cord clamping, but obviously because where the baby is and it's just come out of the sunroof, mm-hmm. we call it, we would just be holding the baby and trying to stimulate the baby for a minute, not skin to skin. But giving that baby, we give it a minute is what it is. That's the gold standard is one minute delayed cord clamping. Cut the cord, cut. We don't actually cut the cord look like short. We lengthen it so there's a little bit left so the dad can still cut it mm-hmm. um, if they want to. And then they're straight to mum, skin to skin, unless there's any conditions that we need to take baby to the resuscitator for. It's not general anaesthetic. Electives usually is just mm-hmm. spinal, like the spinal, spinal block. Yeah, but some women in an emergency situation generally it's a general anesthetic okay you just out yeah baby comes out if you have a cesarean how long do you stay in the hospital afterwards well you have a catheter so we need to just make sure that your bladder's working and everything but generally if everything's okay and baby's okay let's just say everything's okay i'd say 12 hours nothing wow no time at all unless you don't want to we don't push you out the door but if you want to go you can go and if you want to stay if how you're long mobile, can you stay as long as you need as long as you want need or want if you're feeding well and you're passing urine and you're up and walking about we'd encourage you to go home because you will recover better at home yeah if you're in bed you're struggling to move you're still on oral morph you can't you're not it's what's oral morph oral morph is an oral morphine oh okay um and you is that for the pain yeah and you can't the paracetamol and the ibuprofen isn't taken the edge off we'd encourage you to stay until okay. you are it all really depends on those factors we want to make sure baby's feeding well okay. we want to make sure you're not you're managing the pain mm-hmm. for lack of a better word we want to make sure that you're able to pass your in and we want to make sure that you're eating and drinking and we want to make sure that you're mentally okay to yeah. get home. Okay, guys, we've decided already that we're going to do a third episode because talking about this, I actually have so many questions. Well, we haven't even touched on postpartum. Firstly, let's just say that because we have so much stuff on postpartum. And then hearing you talking about that, like, oh, oh my God, I just, I'm so sorry for women who have had to have an emergency C-section because I think if you have opted for an elective section, you've chosen it. So to a certain extent, there's a little bit more... She knows what she's in for, so to speak. She's been able to mentally prepare for um, the complications that a caesarean, unfortunately, gives you Mm -hmm. afterwards, after baby is here. However, if you, for whatever reason, you know there's complications and you need to have an emergency caesarean, oh my gosh, the recovery is... I cannot even begin to imagine being cut open and then you go home there needs to be more care i cannot understand how little care there is i don't understand how like that can be okay in our society in our modern world for women firstly in general mentally and physically anyway i'm going off on a tangent but the reason i'm thinking about this um, and said that this is definitely why we'll have to do a third episode to talk more about postpartum is because, for example, like I had stitches, I got an infection in my stitches, you know, and I'm sure th- I can only imagine that things like that must must happen also. And it's never really occurred to me. And like, what do you do? Yeah. You know, there's so much that can not necessarily go wrong, but just little obstacles Oh, that I'm sorry, the last thing that you want to yeah. be dealing with when you've got this newborn baby. Although, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the newborn, newborn stages at the really beginning, you're high off your tits off hormones. So, like... 
<laughs> you actually feel great. Yeah. It's a fine balance, but... As well, like, I know I said about the discharge as well, most women stay overnight. Yeah. Because they need they need to. Like, really, I think it says somewhere in the policy that there can be a 12-hour discharge, but now I'm thinking about it. I don't think I've ever discharged someone within 12 hours because they just, they want to stay overnight. They've just had major surgery. Mm. They need support. They need help. Obviously, partners are there up until, I think it's midnight on the postnatal ward, and then they go home. Mm. And then all throughout the night, they've got nursery nurses, midwives, or whoever is there. But they need they need someone. They need mm. support. So especially, like, women can't stand up yeah. for a long time. When you say support, what is that support that you offer them? As in, in the wards? Yeah. Like, after, yeah, so... Well, whenever whatever they need, we go to them, we can give them their baby, we pass their baby to them, we stand with them, we help them feed, we put their baby back so they don't need to worry about doing that. We just do anything they want us to do, really, like give them their food, get their food for them, help them with pain relief, things like that. You don't even think about, you're not meant, you can't really even lift your baby. Wow. So they have to, they, they'll ask us, but sometimes what happens is women feel like they don't want to rely on someone and then they don't then you know they're like i didn't want to buzz because oh no you you need to because you've had major surgery and you've got to really like say to that lady like we do not expect you to do that on your own but i can't just stand here (laughs) all night so you need to make sure you buzz and just say can you just pass me my baby so i can feed that's absolutely fine can you just i'll change their bum for you no problem i'll do that for you you know like really so yeah yeah okay you do everything yeah you do everything that must be really mentally difficult for a first-time mum to relinquish control to someone else when they're only just they're tiny teeny tiny and and you try and get them involved as much as possible like especially if you we say to them do you want me to put baby on the bed so you can change them or i'm i'd happily change them here for you and you can obviously watch me do it but you you want you don't want to it's so easy to be like i'll just do it for you you know but what i like to do is say do you want to do it or would you like me to do it because there's a difference between i'll do it for you Mm -hmm. and would you like me to help you do Mm -hmm. that you know there's a difference and some women they do get a bit upset that they're like i just can't do it i can't do anything because it's so tough it's so tough for them but when they do go home and they're i think being at home well i don't think but you know you're in your own bed you're able to recover much better at home you're able to sleep better oh my god yeah (laughs) um how long are you recommended to be on bed rest for with a cesarean bed rest well look i've ish the recovery time six weeks Mm. for a section now that for me it's crazy i don't understand and i get why it's major surgery but i don't understand how businesses and things like that like paternity and stuff yeah two weeks what are they like what are they what's a woman to do what what the fuck is a woman to do if she's had a cesarean and her partner can only have two weeks off work i think there should be a thing like paternity leave two weeks even as someone who's had a normal vaginal delivery it's not a lot no is it like really but imagine having a cesarean section only being able to lift the weight just of your baby nothing else let alone potentially having a toddler having a toddler running around or a dog to walk or yeah 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 you know i think there should be a difference in you know yeah i'm on paternity leave my my partner whoever has just had a a baby but the difference in having surgery i think it should i think it should be different in businesses so you think that the partner of a woman who has undergone a cesarean section should be entitled to longer paternity leave at the same pay yeah I do, because I don't think it's fair that... Who have they got for four weeks? And yes, they can take annual leave. Yes, great. What if they don't have that? Yeah. What if they're yeah, self-employed? Yeah, 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 100%. You know, I think maybe not double, but something else. Something, ex- some extra support. My somewhere. opinion is dads should be able to take... As much as they need. Three months paternity leave, full pay, regardless of cesarean or... Yeah, 100%. Three months. I think now as well, like, where we're in like, we're in a world where everything is so remote, why can't why can't you have, like, just that... Even if it's three months of working remotely mm. for that... Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. most... I mean, not every partner, you know, everyone has different jobs, but even to offer it to say, look, we'll, we'll give you this offer to work three months remotely so you can be at home at yeah, least yeah, yeah. so that they can go and walk the dog. They can go and do yeah. this. I struggle having this conversation sometimes with people... Because when I talk about it and when I really think about it, I feel so angry at the world. But also, 
I don't know what to do. Like I'm a small okay. person, but you can, there are things that we could, that we can all do, but also what are we meant to do? Are we all meant to become like activists? For, I'm not putting that down. Oh my God, thank fuck we have women, yeah. you know, putting things forward to government and things like that for, for all of us. But it is so hard. It's so hard. And uh, God forbid, what if you're, what if you're a single mom? Yeah. What if you've got no family? Like a lady I looked after the other day, she is an asylum seeker. She's on her own. She's got no one here. Like, what are you meant to do? What What does? She, what did she do? She's she's had to go with it, didn't she? She had a cesarean. Well, no, she had a normal vagina delivery. Okay. But if she had a cesarean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> this is the thing. Like, what what can I wonder if there is something, and I just don't know about it mm. <laughs> because it blows my mind to see women like you know after in community we'll go around and see women that have had a cesarean section, and they're like, right, well, just get up. No, no, no. Mm. you've just had major surgery like mm. two days ago. Mm-hmm. Sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. I think there needs to be just more team thing i don't know because we just uh, we live in a society where unfortunately don't get me wrong there are so many positive things about the world that we live in but we are all so isolated from each other and back in the day it was just like a community you know it sort of to a certain extent didn't matter whose child it was someone would feed it someone would dress it bath it you know whereas now mum only yeah mum only dad's at work there's no community around you i understand why people like move closer to home with the grandparents because grandparents become that community if they're not still working some of them you know take retirement when their kids have kids yeah so that they can help look after the kids um that like some people just don't have that no one has that it's so rare. Yeah. It's so rare. And it is, I think it's also why nowadays I also feel like not just women, but people in general are encouraged to be more self-employed, not necessarily more like in charge of themselves. Because when you're employed by someone, I'm sorry, but you're sort of feeding the people at the top. Yeah. You are. Even if you work and I'm not like, um, what's the word? I'm not meaning anything bad towards you or anyone else in your situation. You work for the NHS, you work for the government. You don't work for anyone else. You don't even, you don't work for the people. Like, you do, but I'm sorry. Like, to a certain extent, and maybe this is me because I'm a little bit, and I'm more than the average person, a little bit anti-government. Of course, no, you do work for the people, but if policies, there's just so many fucking yeah, policies. I was going to say, because I don't go to, I go to work for the women. I don't go to work for, so and I'm, I know what you're saying. Yes, Above sorry. me, like, I know what you mean. Like, the NHS is the government. No, I'm not, I'm saying. not suggesting that you wake up in the morning <laughs> going like, right, I'm going to work for, who for, I don't even know who's in power at the moment. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Like, as in like, nothing, it's such a big, yeah, it just doesn't feel like there's going to be... So, what I was saying, yeah. I do understand that now, as a society, we are moving more towards um, people wanting to be self-employed. So, that the money that they make... Self-sufficient. They don't have to feel like they're sort of in the rat race all the time. But the problem with that is that I feel like, to a certain extent, sometimes it can isolate you. Because there's also something to be said for a work community. I'm sure you've made friends at work. Mm. Things like that. Whereas, for example... I'm self-employed, I work for myself, by myself, in my house, primary caregiver of a child. That's so lonely. Yeah. That's so lonely. Sometimes I'll talk to someone on the phone and I'll be like... I'm not spoken to someone. You might be the first person I've spoken to. Yeah. It's crazy. You don't think about it though, do you? You just don't, like, you don't think about that. No. I can't remember how or why we got onto this topic, but yeah, I can't imagine, like, women having undergone major surgery and literally just... Having no one. Having no one, having... Needing to do it by themselves. And, like, for no... Like, especially in an emergency situation where they've had no choice. And mentally it's harder to... Yeah. Um, My last question before we get on to Tuesday Top Tip and Mumming Mishap, and then we're going to do postpartum in another episode, guys. Um, My last question is... Fuck, I've forgotten it. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my notes and um, it's not here. I don't think what would have been related But it was just in my brain. Right, guys, on the postpartum, by the way, we're going to talk... We actually are. We actually <laughs> will be. On the next one, we promise we will be. Okay, next time, we will talk about... And next time's not next week. We'll 
I'm not going to let you know because we don't know. We haven't got a date in the diary. So basically, stay tuned. Listen every single week. <laughs> Just in case. You can't miss it. You've been waiting long enough, guys. Um, okay, we will talk. Co-sleeping. What else have I got? Breastfeeding versus formula. Colostrum harvesting. And then, oh, I will ask. This is a quick question. Can you arrange a birth reflection appointment after like is there a deadline i don't think so because they keep your notes don't they they keep your notes for up to 25 years within the hospital so 25 years yeah Yeah, i know they do you can request them at any time obviously before that point yeah yeah. because if you i think after that point and i think they go somewhere else so if you want your notes request them within the first 25 years can you imagine how much (laughs) paperwork that was before things started to be digitalized mate there's no like purple books like just somewhere yeah you still write it on paper yeah we have paper and we have to do both at the moment because we're, we're gradually getting over but until we do we still gotta write on paper and on the computer at the same time what's the point in doing it on paper if you're trying to move to computer um just because then because the woman doesn't have anything to take around with her so oh. we're getting something for her for that like for the women so that we can work by the, the women system. you mean the midwife no so like say it's you say you're a pregnant person and yeah. you come to me with your book of notes we need to get something oh the red book yeah whether it, ours is purple ours are purple books but the red book is what you get once your baby's here you're right yeah so the book, your book of notes you know did you ever get anything yeah, like yeah, that I yeah yeah um, and they write in your appointments and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. So we okay. need to try and merge it together with our system, which is why we've got a system, but we can't get rid of that book yet. Um, what was the question? Oh, yeah, within a year. So, yeah, they'll have your notes for up to 25. So I'm sure right. at any point okay. you can go up there and request it. I would just... Um, who the hell would you contact for that? I yeah. think you would maybe... Community team? Maybe the community team, yeah, and just say, I'm interested in getting a birth reflection, and then they'll, they'll signpost them yeah. into the right place so yeah that is what i do but definitely 100 percent. they've got they've if they don't i want to know why because yeah. they've got your they've got your documentation yeah. so they can go through it with you because i had um this is actually a question ages ago when we spoke about doing this episode i had a woman send me in this question um for you because she experienced or is experiencing ptsd birth ptsd symptoms like nine months after giving birth oh gosh yeah for whatever reason if i'm perfectly honest i don't know the details of Mm. her situation it's crazy how something can trigger yeah Yeah, i definitely encourage her to contact them and say look i want to have birth reflections and yeah yeah, because i don't see why they wouldn't because like i said they've got your details yeah okay that's when you that's when you (laughs) feature soundtrack Top tip Tuesday from Ms. Holly Rayner. Right, I'm a pregnant woman. I'm about to give birth. Things are starting. I say, Miss Rayner, how do people call you? Midwife, sir, miss, sir. <laughs> sir, there yeah. are some sirs. Oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, how many men midwives are there? I've got one. He's really lovely, bless him. Um, Why bless him? I don't know, because he just feels like so on his own because there's so many women. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> what made him want to become a midwife? <laughs> to be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> like, Do you know what also? He gives him like Canary Wolf. He's got no, I don't know what he's doing. And he's now a midwife in Harlow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> oh, bless him. That's anyway, interesting because yeah. like... He struggled as a student with like getting births because women would decline... Him. I bet. Which, don't get me wrong, I understand. Because I also would have wanted a woman, personally. Because I think they know they've got the choice. You know, you ma- yeah, yeah. it's a woman's world, really, as a midwife, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, but even things, as a woman, I would always opt for a female physician, doctor, yeah. whatever it may be. My therapist, when I, you know, was looking for one, one of my things was, I want her to be a woman. I'm sorry, I just feel like they can relate. Yeah. bless his heart yeah that must have been a struggle but he's obviously qualified now and he's absolutely loving it and he's so good he's so good at his job like <laughs> i don't know why i say that in such a surprising way but, I, but it is but yeah. it's funny because i hear you talking about it in my head i'm like like why because unfortunately we do live in a sexualized world you can't help but think that a man has gone into midwifery because of vaginas but also i'm sorry you also cannot have gone into midwifery because of vaginas no. because they would put you off a vagina it's like men going into gynecology <laughs> yeah yeah which they do yeah he's amazing are you friendly with him 
Yeah. Ask him. Okay, I'll ask him. Why? Like, just out of curiosity. Yeah. I say that really without judgment. I'm so interested. I'll it's ask like, him what is, why, why midwifery? I'll ask him. What would be, do you think, the female equivalent to go into, like, a manly, for lack of a better word, job? It'd be, like, a woman being a... God, this sounds so, like, sexist. It does, doesn't, doesn't it? It's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would be, like, a woman being... Like a plumber? <laughs> Yeah, or like a... Some sort of like... Like Builder, yeah. Or like, um, you know, you have people that come unblock your sewage. (laughs) Why is that? Drain blocker. Yeah. (laughs) Drain unblocker. Um, I feel like, yeah, it would be... I don't know. Maybe like... It's difficult. I don't know. Yeah, food for thought. Guys, let us know. I accept that this is a sexist conversation. However, I would be interested to know... Find me on Instagram at MagliSwift underscore. Who the fuck had Magli Swift? I had to add an underscore because... You should have changed your name to It's Me, Magli Swift. Oh, yeah. I have to wait for... (laughs) Duh, it's me. (laughs) I'll include that. Duh, it's me. Swift. <laughs> or send me an email hello at magliswift.com what job do you think is the equivalent for a woman as a man being a midwife i did not word that correctly yeah but i think you all know what i mean um i'd be interested to know because i have me too to think of one but it's just it's not that it's wrong no but unfortunately it's interesting to know what their aspirations are to be that because just, i feel like know? as a woman woman's health mm. you know but for a man like why? Yeah, I'll definitely ask you. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, let me know. Okay. Sorry. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Back we go. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get that copyrighted. <laughs> do, 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 do. Top tip Tuesday, Miss Holly Rayner. I'm a pregnant woman. I'm in labour. What is one top tip? Okay, from today's conversation, I think <laughs> I can clearly say you're in labour and you're gonna say to me, What if I poo? It's okay to poo, guys. It means you're doing it right. Because I have nothing left to say. Top tip. Yeah. Shit yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're already doing it mentally, so you might as well do it physically. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Honestly, it means you're doing things right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) do 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 (laughs) They've got to be slightly different, sure. I can't think of anything else now. Honestly, the only thing my brain is doing is... Think of... You make a noise. Um, all I can think of, think, think of is that... I'm probably going to get told off now. Oh, I'm stealing countdown. That yeah. Yakadee's coming to get me from last Countdown's week. Countdown's coming to <laughs> I can't like what is this what are you trying to say what is it I'm not trying to say anything it's just like I'm introducing I'm introducing well, my you feature sing, sing you know like a little what is the word like um, a jingle jingle yes that's exactly the word I was looking for that's my jingle that's like <laughs> oh I love that that's already another podcast oh just... who's oh Shag Married Annoyed, if anyone listens to it. Oh, uh, yes. Like, not as good as mine. No. Um, <laughs> Correct. Not as good as <laughs> No, yes. Um, Chris Ramsey, Rosie yes, Ramsey. love it. I recognise it now. I'm more of a Parenting Hell podcaster. Oh, yes. Yeah. Rob, yes. Uh, Becca, Josh Widdicombe. Okay. Fuck the jingle. We're going to have to get rid of that because yeah. they're going to be like, fuck, <laughs> taking them. No, because we've plugged yeah. them. They should, if anything, they should be paying me. <laughs> you need to sponsor this podcast now. <laughs> now sponsored by Chris Ramsey, Rosie Ramsey, Josh Widdicombe and Rob Beckett. Lovely. Thank okay. you very much. Come on. Then. There's no jingle. Mumming mishap. Let's just a mumming mishap. go straight into it. So, Your mumming mishap. Okay. Holly's I'm, not a mum. I'm not a mum, but I can tell you a little story about when I was younger with my mum and oh, yeah. my parents. <laughs> the generation before ours their mishaps better than ours I think because I think they cared less oh. in the nicest way possible they were like meh yeah whatever so in this this situation so we were on holiday and where were we now I think it was like Grand Canaria or something like that and my I think I was about four my sister was about six we went to this all-inclusive hotel and there was a really really great kids club right great kids club so my sister and I went there every day and I think it was it felt like we were there hours but I think it was probably like two hours or something yeah, yeah. In the morning. Yeah. So my mum would drop us off there and be like, see you later. And then my mum and dad would go to the bar. Amen. <laughs> go on, Gary and Beth. Yeah. Definitely the morning. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely 10 a.m. But fair play. Um, we were there having a great time. And then after a certain time, they'll come and pick you up. So one by one, people, like their parents come and they pick them up. And like, we say bye and stuff. And me and my sister are just the last ones there. And like, no one's turned up for us. They're drunk at the bar. Yeah. Stand up for us. So there was a guy there, like they were all characters, and I remember this man, really, really tall, really, really tall, and he was called Monkey Mark. (laughs) (laughs) And I just burst into tears because I was just like, my mum doesn't love me anymore. And my sister was like, where the hell is my (laughs) mum? Anyway, so we had to stay there. So we had to stay because obviously... How long did you stay? Did you wait? Yeah, we had to wait there. But like how long? We were there for about 45 minutes. And then Monkey Mark was like, well, they're not coming. So let's go and find them. So he's in his little yellow and brown. He looked like a brown. You know, brownies were like yellow and brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to find out where your parents were. (laughs) They literally... So we went to the bar. Not there. Right. Where the hell are they? So he's like got us either side of his arm. We're linking arms with this massive Monkey Mark man. And um, I'm, like, sniffling, crying. I'm only about four. I was, like, yeah. petrified that I'd been forgotten, which I, which I had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, <laughs> so then we were, like, right, so they're not at the bar. Where are they? So then we went to, the, like, the little lounge bit. So having lunch, not there either. So we went down to the beach. Well, Bev and Gary were just asleep on the sunbeds. <laughs> and, my, and Monkey Mark went, um, I've got two, <laughs> two little ones here for you. And Mum literally looked at him, one eye, and went... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's still asleep on the sunbed and she looked at her watch and her watch had stopped. Oh! <laughs> her watch, her battery had stopped on the clock and she was mortified, to be fair. Oh, bless. Oh, I thought you were going to say she'd been like, oh, just set them down there. <laughs> damn it. And, she, I was yeah, like, damn and it. She, she literally looked at her watch and she was like, I mean, she was definitely asleep anyway, yeah. so realistically... But yeah, her watch is oh stopped. Oh my gosh, that's so, so funny. Guys, change your batteries on your watch. If, <laughs> or make sure you got your Apple Watch charged or something. Because, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Scary as a kid. I was saying to Holly before we started the podcast, um, I used to get lost all the time as well. Well, you didn't get lost, you just got forgotten. <laughs> I walked away. In your case, your parents left you. You fell asleep and left me. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is so funny. Um, thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Guys, if you have any mumming mishaps you know where to send them i will see you next week for another episode and stay tuned for part 700 with holly (laughs) see you later ciao